And so I love the fact that you and the listeners are really thinking of things that can be, you know, used right away. Like, again, we talk about intelligent and inspired action, which is, you know, these concepts are great talking about them, but it's never just about the information, right? It's, it's almost like if I said it was just the information, every librarian in the U.S. would be a multimillionaire. They're not. It's the application of the information that's important. And that's why I love your show. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Trevor McGregor here with me today. He is a high-performance master coach with over 25,000 hours of coaching experience under his belt. He's worked with clients from around the world, including Fortune 500 executives, high-level real estate investors, entrepreneurs, world-class athletes, and business professionals, and they all come to him for one reason, and that's life-changing transformation. And so we're going to dive into this and also talk about... Uh, you know, family and what he's doing and those kinds of things and, and his story. So uh, with that, welcome to the Money Talkers. Well, thank you for having me on, Cody. Great to be here. I am excited to talk to you, man. I uh, just got kind of lit up just talking to you offline about what you've done along the way. And so um, I guess, can you walk me through how you got into being a master coach? Like what, was there a transition period or a pivot or what were you doing before? Yeah, it's a bit of a long story. I'll give the abbreviated version, but just like you, you know, just like a lot of people listening to this show, you know, we grew up in a middle-class family, literally went to college and university, studied business, went and worked in corporate, you know, like most of us do. And it was around the age of 29, I was working with um, a couple of guys in this very high-level hospitality company. They were expanding, Cody, and they invited me to invest in, in the company. And I thought, wow, this is a chance for me to not just be a, a, you know, a W-2 employee, a chance for me to invest. And so I literally cashed in my entire 401k. I borrowed money off of family and friends. And I even convinced my own parents to take out a second mortgage on the family home well into six figures. And I shoved all of that money into this hospitality expansion. And for the first year and a half, things went really, really well. We were expanding across the nation. We were doing some great things. And then all of a sudden in 2001, really right around when those planes hit the towers, you know, we, we were going too fast. We were overextended. We were going way too quickly. And to make a long story short, I lost all of that money that I put into that expansion. Well, that must have been a tough Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was a very tough time. I mean, not only was I broke, right? Not only did it cause a rift in my marriage, right? but I also gained 25 pounds. So I was really, really feeling it financially, 
in my relationship and in my health. And so what do you do when you get to the bottom? Well, you seek guidance and thank God for me, I found a coach. And this coach came into my life and he said, Trevor, what's happened to you is truly unfortunate, but you're still a young man. You're married, you've got kids. It's time to get up, dust yourself off and you know, find a way to keep on going. And I said, I know, but I don't know how. And so as we started to go through all these options, he said one thing to me, Cody, that changed my life forever. He said, have you ever thought of investing in real estate? And I said, real estate? I don't know anything about real estate. And he went on to tell me that, well, you can use other people's money, buy a property, fix it up, either refi it or sell it and just keep rinsing and repeating. And really my back was up against the wall and I didn't really have any other choice. So I just followed his recipe, his roadmap and his blueprint bought one little townhouse, fixed it up, refied it. Then I bought a condo. And we started to see some really nice appreciation in Vancouver, Canada, where I'm from. And so that allowed me to pull the money out of that and buy my first duplex. And now I don't know about you, but if you ever discover cash flow, it's like the light bulb goes on. And I thought, oh my God, right? And I started to buy more duplexes and more duplexes and then fourplex, fourplex, fourplex. And in literally a short amount of time, about two and a half years, not only did I pay off all of my failed loans from the restaurant expansion, but I had a beautiful cash flowing, you know, real estate portfolio on the top of it. And it was really at that time that people started to come to me saying, Trevor, how the heck did you do this? How are you amassing all these properties? And as I started to teach them to my son's little league baseball coach, the soccer coach, the swim coach, you know, they too started to go out there and started to buy revenue properties. And it literally, I think, is where the coaching bug bit. And that's when I knew I wanted to be a coach and do something like this for the rest of my life. That's amazing because it's, uh, it, it's, it's really not, it's like that old Rocky line, right? It's like everybody gets knocked down on how many times you can get up. And I, th- I find so often that there's a, there's a word that comes up when I talk to people that are, um, you know, in the in, in quote unquote high achieving, you know, high achievers and kind of things is that, they're, they're not always the smartest or had a straight line to success or just knew some secrets or any of that stuff. It's always resiliency. It right? really is. And, and that's exactly what I faced. And I had no choice. And it didn't happen easily. I mean, it didn't happen in a straight line, but it happened enough that I thought, wow, where can I go and learn more about, you know, really how coaches really work with people? And that's when I went and I got certified in Orlando, Florida. I worked with a great company called Coach for Life. And it was serendipitous because as I was finishing that training, I was working with another coach from the Tony Robbins organization. And he said, Hey, Trevor, you know, Tony wants to grow the business coaching division. And you've got this corporate experience. You're passionate about real estate. You've got your coach training. Would you consider putting in an application and maybe joining Tony's team? And I thought, wow, that would be an amazing thing. And I never thought I'd get in because they had over 500 applications but I got shortlisted from 500 down to 250, 250 to 100, 100 down to 50. And it's at that time that you don't just get hired. You got to go study all of Tony's stuff, read all the books, listen to all the audios, go to all the events on your own dime. And then, and only then do you do the live practicum with Tony's team to potentially get on the team. And I'm proud to say that after all the dust settled, I was offered a full-time position and I went on to work for Tony Robbins as a high performance master coach for over half a decade. And it was amazing. 
That's an application process. I've ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so pull the curtain back and tell me some, you know, tell me some of the things that you had as a, as an, you know, some aha moments along the way, uh, whether good or bad. Well, I think that, you know, Tony's got a great quote and I'm sure you've heard this and your listeners may have, and it's that success leaves clues. And if you really think about that, whether you want to go get really good at a certain sport or you want to get really good at a certain musical instrument or you want to go out there and, you know, learn how to run a business, there's a probably a pretty good chance that somebody's gone and done it ahead of you. So one of the secrets that I found early on as I started to, you know, get up and dust myself off is to really surround myself with people that were already doing what it is I wanted to do right? Surround yourself with mentors, coaches, teachers, trainers, facilitators. I mean, I'd go to Tony's events and then I'd go to other money events. I'd go to those money events and then I'd go to other personal growth events. I literally, you know, built a library of personal development books, right? Listened to a ton of audios. And I think that as I continued to learn a little bit from here and a little bit from there and a little bit from there, I started to really pull it together. And as I pulled it together and started teaching it to some of my clients, they too started to achieve phenomenal success. And it got to a point with Tony Robbins that I got so busy being asked for by name that I had to literally make a decision to either stay with Tony or go out on my own. And I literally chose the latter, went out, started Trevor McGregor International. And now I coach people in business. I coach, you know, moms and dads. I coach Olympic athletes. I coach, you know, a little bit of everything in the US, in Canada, in the UK. I've got clients in Italy, New Zealand, Asia, even as far away as Australia, because what I find is these are universal principles. When you understand and work with the natural laws of money, and you really understand that money is simply a byproduct of the value you offer somebody that comes back to you, I mean, there's nobody that can ever say that they can't go out there and make money. It's just not true. So I'm often, you know, busting open, you know, beliefs or, you know, myths that money is the root of all evil or money is doesn't grow on trees or, you know, some of that nonsense that maybe people hear growing up and we get crystal clear about what money is and not how to make it, but how to attract it to you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, um, I, I, you know, I have been, I have been fortunate enough to have money in my life and I've been fortunate enough to owe a lot of it and be really, really, I, I wished I was broke at some points in my life. Um, you know, but I were good lessons to learn. I just, I, it's always bothered me that we teach those lessons that we have to break those thought patterns of. And I kind of wonder where those come from. Well, I think it's a fascinating thing you bring up, Cody, because if you really think about how most people are wired, I don't know if you know this, but the average human being has anywhere from 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Some of those are conscious, some of those are subconscious, you know, what am I going to wear today? What's the weather today? You know, uh, are my kids going to be safe today? So we literally go through a lot of this. Now, the bad news about that is statistics show that roughly 75% of those thoughts are negative, right? And so you got to think about that. If you think about your 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, three quarters of them are negative. You then move to the next thing, which is, well, where did I come up with my thoughts? Where did I come up with my beliefs? Where did I come up with my values? Where did I come up with my rules? And oftentimes we got those from our parents, our school teachers, right? Our neighbor's parents, maybe sports coaches. And ultimately, if you really go back in time, just one or two generations, 
your parents got their beliefs about money from their parents, your grandparents, who oftentimes grew up in depression or through the wars or they didn't have much. So ultimately, we're only two generations into really coming from a place where, you know, lack was a pretty common thing. And a lot of the beliefs, values, rules that we have today, you know, here in 2020, we've literally adopted from our grandparents, their great grandparents, and so on. And my question to the listener and you is, does it really have to be that way? I mean, if that was like a computer program, and we were running a computer program that was built in the 1920s or 30s or 40s or 50s, I don't even think that program would get recognized by a supercomputer today. So my invitation to people is to hit the eject button and uninstall some of that old software that doesn't work anymore and be open to plugging in some new software. Does that resonate? Absolutely. No, that makes a lot. Uh, I, I like the way that you've placed that because I think that, that we're wired that way. Well, I don't think that. I'm just trying to think through it as I'm thinking with you here. But uh, we're wired that way because it was probably very beneficial to us uh, to survive, you know, prior to as we evolved, right? Yeah. Is that negative thoughts are, I hope there's not a lion over there, or I hope that guy doesn't come and hit me with that rock. Like, I got to watch him, as opposed to being like, I could probably really build an awesome cave right now, you know, and, <laughs> and like that probably gets you killed, right? Because the, the, the guys who went out there with a, all positivity probably got probably got killed off right along the, the, the pathway of, of growing and those kinds of things. And so I'd never really kind of thought about why we have so many different kinds of negative thoughts like that. Well, and, I love uh, that, Cody. I'm going to stack on that because you're so spot on with that, that for a lot of people, you know, money is about survival, right? There's a survival mechanism inside of us that literally is like a thermostat where if it's set for 72 degrees and 72 degrees represents paying the rent, paying the mortgage, right? Paying the car payment and putting food on the table. A lot of people out there have this survival mentality that that is just as good as it's going to get. And, and I so would say there's probably two though. There's probably another one that's in the comfort zone, right? Like as long right. as I get to 72, it's pretty good, right? That's right. And some of those people, when they try to go up to 74, 78, maybe 80, right? They go make a little bit of money, but then they sabotage their success or life gets busy or something gets in the way and they fall all the way back down to 72. So it's through shows like yours, it's through, you know, experiences of others, you know, that really prove that success does leave clues. Because if you look at most people that have ever become wealthy, right, they've done it in a matter that literally has been where they've added more value than they've ever added before. And again, that money comes back as a byproduct of that and goes into your account. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I kind of want to, I kind of want to build on that and kind of shift a little bit too, because we talked a little bit offline. Um, you've, you, you mentioned you have three boys um, in varying age range um, with, with kind of an age gap between them. Um, but when I hear challenges in, in, our, in our DNA, right, or our, the way that we think and we need to do these things, I see opportunities of the ability to change them. And so, like, as you're talking about, I I never really heard anybody bring that up, but until two generations ago, we were in complete scarcity, right? And yep. so this is kind of a new thing with the with the ability to see abundance and to go after it. And so um, th there's somewhere along the lines that somebody takes a stand and then they change the trajectory of their family, right? Well, and they change the thinking on. of it, 
right? It's, it's really a product of the environment. If you really want to, you know, have me pull back the curtain and really reveal to you and the listeners, you know, we become who we become as a product of our environment. So depending upon, you know, the listener's household, what you do for a living, um, how you speak about money at the kitchen table, you know, how you talk to your kids about don't waste the ketchup or don't waste, don't leave the lights on. You know, we have all of what we call references. And so we're doing something now, Cody, called stacking. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be careful here. And so we build a skyscraper of all these negative references within the environment. And then all of our money beliefs kind of follow what that stacking programming is. So part of our role here is to really take a look at, you know, are we teaching our kids stuff without even being aware of what's coming out of our mouth? reminding them that, you know, some of these things are going to be prudent to live in the family home, but also having conversations about, you know, what money really is. Because if we go back thousands of years, you know, kids don't even know that money started out as a barter system. You know, I could give you my cow's milk for your chicken eggs. And then we went from, you know, the eggs and the milk, we went to gold, silver, and tea. But then that was hard to travel over vast distances. So we went to gold coins but gold coins got heavy. So we traded that in for paper money. And now we've gone from paper money to electric money. And soon we'll be going from electric money to cryptocurrency. So it doesn't matter. There's always going to be a system for exchange, but kids today don't even really understand what money is. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, I, uh, so I think about even uh, as, as, as like with you, right. Being a life-changing transformational coach. And I think is that we can have our biggest impact as parents being a formational coach, right? Being a life formational coach instead of so that way you don't have to work on the transformational. And I've always right. kind of thought that way because I've always kind of joked around when I first started this podcast. It was like, my goal is to put Dave Ramsey out of business. Like, I don't want you to get so far in the hole and have so much pain that you're like, I got to go do personal finance and now I got to learn it, but I'm so far behind the eight ball now that like, it's so much different. I think as a parent, if you're intentionally taking the opportunity to be a formational coach and think of it that way, like you're forming, you're helping to form your kids thoughts. You got to be aware of it in the household of how you present and talk about money, but you need to have that belief in you first. So you kind of need to have the transformation. Does that make That's sense? A, oh my gosh, you are so spot on. I love that you shared that. And I'm telling you, it's never too young to start having that type of, you know, foundational conversation, whether, you know, you teach your kids a little bit of math with apples, or you give them a nickel for an apple, or they have a pretend cash register. I mean, with our boys, we have blessed with three beautiful boys, Matthew, Mitchell, and Maxwell. You know, we had them having different money jars at the age of three. You know, one would be for allowance, you know, if they got a, a dollar for an allowance, 25 cents went into the savings jar, 25 cents went into the spending jar, 25 cents went into the dream jar, and 25 cents, believe it or not, was for tithing, giving to people less fortunate than them. And so as the money grew in those jars, we literally would go down to the bank on Saturdays and deposit it into the account. And I'm telling you, it's some of that stuff, including some of the bake sales they've had, the Kool-Aid sales, you know, the muffin sales, that have really given my kids a unique opportunity to understand that, you know, money is just an energy of exchange, like we've been talking about, and it's unlimited. I mean, when you really think about it, um, everything that you could do to make money, 
needs what we call intelligent and inspired action behind it. So for a lot of people that have ideas to open a home-based business or, you know, maybe do something cool with their kids and have a family um, bond doing something, they come up with the ideas, but what's missing is the action. So to the listeners out there, depending upon, you know, whether your kids are three, five, seven, nine, ten, it's never too late to get some of these foundational things started. Yeah, we just, so I just talked to, I had a uh, interview earlier um, and he, we, we went through the high impact series and his, what he wanted to talk about was the jar system. Right. And as we were talking about it, uh, we kind of came up with the thought process that what you're really instilling is the pay yourself first and the savings piece, right? And you're laying foundations and you're laying principles into those jars. It's not, it's, and and, and what happens is that when you have good principles, they're, they're non, uh, they don't break right? Like you, you kind of live your life through that. They're, they're, what do they call that? Um, they're, they're, it's inarguable, right? And so, uh, and, and it's such a simple thing, but these little tiny pieces that you build early have massive ramifications on the other end. You know, if you teach your kid to save 25% of their income, even that that income's a dollar, when that income becomes $10,000, when income becomes hopefully $100,000, $100,000, maybe it gets to a million dollars. But if they're consistently putting 25% of their income away, they're always going to be okay financially almost 99% of the time, right? That's it. And I think the word you were looking for is non-negotiable. And that's really what yeah. it was with our three boys. You know, It was non-negotiable to take from that 25%. It just was untouchable, right? And so I love the fact that you and the listeners are really thinking of things that can be you know, used right away. Like, again, we talk about intelligent and inspired action, which is, you know, these concepts are great talking about them, but it's never just about the information, right? It's, it's almost like if I said it was just the information, every librarian in the U.S. would be a multimillionaire. They're not. It's the application of the information that's important. And that's why I love your show. That's awesome, man. I, I, I love that <laughs> every librarian would be a multimillionaire. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic because, you know, it's, uh, we talk about it a lot and it's such a shift in the last 10 years of like the, the, uh, the downloading of information into our brains, right? And I think about that and I was laughing because I had to explain TV to my son like last year, right? Because we were, we were in a hotel room and a show was going to start and all this stuff. And he couldn't, he was like, why don't you just start it now? You know, and I'm like, and it really kind of, and I was like, well, cause some guy in, in New York tells you what you can watch and when you can watch it. And he's like looking at me and I'm like, I don't know, dude, that's the way it is. Like, that's the way it used to be. Your way's a lot better, you know? And so like, it's, but it, it wasn't, it was kind of a funny conversation with him, which I, I get into these conversations and I, and because I have this podcast and I talk to people like you, like there are these little aha moments that I have when I have these conversations with them that I, I just, they jump off at me. And in that, what I was thinking was, he will forever consume information different than I will. Yep. Right. And, it, and it's not just a little bit of shift that's foundational. He doesn't know that he can't go get the information when he wants it. So what, what will he do? Like how, how do I try to think about how do I, how do I encourage and instill in him what he should be downloading as opposed to saying you can't download, right? Cause that's not going to happen. He thinks different than I do, right? My six-year-old sees the world differently than I do. He sees, I think, oh, it's super cool. I can watch Netflix now for two years. I've been, you know, oh, I can just click click on a button. It's cool. Oh, look at this. It's neat. He doesn't know any different. Yeah. That's his world. 
And so you have to try, I think you have to try and consciously, you know, I, I think about how to, how to get that portion of where do you get the things that I, I want him to download, right? Or how do I get him to think the right way about things? Because I think underneath all that, he will think different than I do. I think I need to know the information so I can think about it. He knows he can go get it whenever he wants. Yeah. I love that conversation because I think that we've got a microwave society who's forgotten that, you know what, it's not just as simple as pushing a button on Google and getting exactly what you want to you. Because every time we teach our kids to push this button and get that, hit that bell and get that, whatever it is, they're forgetting that we're creatures of creation. And back in the days when you and I grew up and a lot of the people listening to this show, we, you know, want to do something. And then we'd come up with what we call options. We could do option A to get it, option B, option C, sometimes there's a DEFG. And so I think that we've got to take our kids back and not teach them how to just think about, well, what are the other options available to you? But it's a real identity shift where you've got to say, you know, who do you need to be? Not how, mm. who do you need to be to be so creative that you're open to seeing a way to solve that same problem. If you go over it and get to your outcome, if you go under it, you go around it or you go through it. And so I think that as parents, we have a unique opportunity to really have our children looking through a different lens, right? It would be like if they're looking through, you know, rose colored glasses, what happens if we take those glasses off and say, well, let's put on these green ones or let's put on these yellow ones. And I think we'd really do our kids a favor by coming from that angle. What do you think? I do. I think so. What I, what I do in my house is when I think about when my kids say they want something or they want to do, or I ask them a lot of times too, I try to stroke the conversation here. And, and so, um, and then I, and they'll say, well, like my daughter says she wants to be a gymnast for the university of Florida, right? She's nine. Cause she goes to the, she goes up and sees the Gators and they do the things. And she just, she thrives in gymnasts. You know, she loves it. It's a, it, it's inner, you know? And so, we talk about that and I literally say, okay, if you want to be a gymnast in 10 years from now at the University of Florida, do you realize how many other people, you know, how are you going to get there? And so we, then we back out and we come through the plan because I tell my kids, you can have or be anything that you want to be, but there are going to be people with different God-given talents that are going to have a different path than you. So could, you know, uh, could, could I still do anything I wanted to do? Yeah, but it's going to be stacked. Like, what am I going to, and then you have to determine what you're willing to do to get that. And then you have to determine if you want that bad enough. You know what I mean? Is she willing to do three hours worth of practice five days a week? Right. Is she willing to give up her weekends? Right. Is she willing to, uh, as, as she gets older and that kind of stuff, you know? And, uh, and, and I think about that and I try to, I, I really try with them to place critical thinking through it to avoid yep. that microwave you know, uh, scenario, because I think as again, when I, when I see the problems of saying, Oh, well, all these kids just think they're entitled to da, 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 da. I think, well, what if my kids don't do that? What are the possibilities that they're going to bring? Cause they're going to be able to be the ones bringing the value. Yep. That's it. And again, right. I, I love that because it's almost like, what's the end goal. And then if we reverse engineer it, just like we would, you know, in planning a business, planning a trip, you know, planning a wedding, anything, right? We start to really take a look at, well, what are the different ways and what are the benchmarks along the way? And I really believe that where there's passion, there's possibility. So if she loves gymnastics, you know, she might go study there. She might open up her own school. She might go on tour. You know, you never, ever know what's going to come from it. But I always remind parents that 
you know what? Those passions can be all for a lifetime or those passions can change. I mean, yeah. you're, you're often hearing us say that everything that happens, and I love this, is either for a season or a reason or a lifetime. And so if you think about your journey, you think about my journey, you think about the listener's journey, if everything is either for a season, kind of like winter or spring or fall or summer, or something happens for a reason, you know what, those are the first two, but there's also some people that are going to tap into something, you know, around money, and that's going to become, you know, their pursuit for life. And one or another is not better. It's just being open to seeing different strokes for different folks. I mean, there was a time where I was all about making money as a coach or as a real estate investor, because I do a lot of investing in Florida, uh, in the South Carolinas, in Texas, um, you know, in, uh, in various places. And, you know, you got to that point where, yes, you can make money as a coach, you can make money as a gymnast, you can make money as a real estate investor. But what are you doing to really, you know, help people, the planet before you make that profit, right? And I always encourage people to start teaching at a young age, you know, the thoughts around also being an impact investor, where it's not just following your passion, but how can you follow your passion and create a triple win? You know, it's good for you, it's good for the customer, and then maybe the planet or some charitable organization benefits as well. And so impact investing is going to be something that as kids start to take a look at what do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? You know, what path might be good for me? We want to check and see if there's passion and we want to absolutely check in and see if there's a new model of being an impact investor along the way where, you know, a portion of what they do makes them feel good, helps fill up their bank account, but it also helps somebody else as well. Does that resonate? As we talked about, yes. And then, so as we talked about being the one to take the stand and shift the family thought processes and change the money story in the family, there's going to be different ramifications out the other end, right? And yeah. I think that part of that might be that evolution where we are now, we've, oh, you've got to be from scarcity to abundance, right? Well, what happens then? Well, okay. Well, now, okay, so now I am abundance. Now I think I can go create uh, and, and value and bring it to the world and those kinds of things. Well, what's the next one, right? Yeah. And maybe it's impact, right? And so for me, the reason that I want, I, I, I want this information out into the world and parents to have these conversations because when kids don't have life's, you know, chains around them and they, they don't, they've got freedom and time, right? They may not have experience and money, but they've got freedom and time. There are problems that they can go out and they can go and tackle them with a different mentality than you do later in life, right? And so if we can do that, I think that pushes problems that a lot of people think we should solve and gives it to a subset of, of, of people that don't know they can't go solve it or don't That's believe right. they can't go solve it, right? They've just got wide-eyed and I'm going to go for it and somebody's going to get them, right? Somebody's going to have it and it's going to be amazing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the world. I love that, Cody, and I really have a belief, a very strong core belief that the leaders of tomorrow are going to be the people that literally have that as their primary question. What's the challenge or what's the problem and how can I solve it? Or what's the problem and how's the challenge and how can I add more value, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you really ask, you know, what is your why? Why are you here? Why am I here? Why is the listener here? We're here to learn, to laugh, to love, to share, to grow. 
And ultimately, as we go through our journey, we're meant to help other people. I mean, you know, Tony says the secret to living is giving. And if you can really think about money, not only in your own context of how it can support your outcomes, but how money can be part of your contribution to make a better planet. I mean, it's a game changer. And I'll give you an example of that. You know, as we've been blessed to, you know, literally have been down and out. And you remember my story of being broke, fat and lonely, right? And we've literally, you know, kind of turned that around thanks to coaches and teachers and mentors and a big shout out to Tony Robbins for that as well. My wife have, and I have really, my wife's name is Lisa, and we've really taken a look at how we can give back as well. Because it's not about what we do, it's about what we do with what we make. And so, you know, we came up with the idea for a children's book. And this children's book is an impact project. And I can show you a copy here. It's called An Alphabet for a New Humanity, right? Oh, like and so that. instead of writing a children's book where A is for apple and B is for boy and C is for cat, we literally rewrote the alphabet where A is for abundance mm. and B is for bravery and C is for compassion and D is for diversity. And we've got a world-class illustrator that's done this. And what we do is we donate proceeds from the book to various charities and we've committed to planting a tree for every single book we sell. So we've already planted tens of thousands of trees all over the planet and now we're moving into, you know, another level of impact investing and giving back. Now we're planting fruit trees. Now we're planting orchards. And so just think about that from taking a simple concept like a book, not only are we, you know, helping kids learn words like gratitude and kindness and, you know, forgiveness and all of that stuff, which is pretty cool, but we're putting smiles back on the faces of parents and teachers and grandparents and guess what? The environment also wins because we planted these trees. So again, it's a new level of thinking. It's a new way of taking action that I think we're going to see more and more and more of today's youth do projects like that to make this world a better place. You know, I love that because there's also one other part is when those seeds are planted with those kids in their minds, right? And those are the words they think about. Like, I never knew what the word abundance was right? No idea. And, and you know, I mean, it really took a long time before, like we talked about being transformational, right? I feel like I've gone through a few seasons in my, in my journey. And so, uh, you know, um, but I think about the ramifications of what maybe those little seeds planted go through, right? Because I've had someone ask me like, well, why don't, you know, I, they said to me, you know, in a question, they said, why, you know, it, why do you think that uh, if they say that uh, it's home, they asked me, well, if we teaching school, they, they think teaching personal finance and money in school is is not very um, impactful, right? Why, you know, that's why we don't do it. What do you have to say about that? And I basically said, well, how, how important is not teaching it, right? How impactful is that? We don't teach it at all. So I think about that when I'm thinking about this book where, you're, you know, if you're teaching the word abundance right off the, off the get-go, it may not impact everybody, but there's going to be some little brains that go in there and they go, abundance, man. What's abundance? Hey, yeah. mom, what's abundance? And then mom goes, I don't, let's find out. Right. And then they go down their journey and now you're shifting that money story in the family, right? Not just with the kids, but also like the parents, because they've got to explain it and think about it and talk about it. And it starts that conversation. And I think that's, I think that's uh, I think that's a wonderful thing, man. Thank you. And again, it's, 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 it comes from us doing our own personal growth journey. It comes from us reading literally every money book that's ever been written you know, my favorite go-to being think and grow rich. And, you know, Napoleon Hill says the secret in this book will be, you know, revealed multiple times over. Well, 
if people read that book and they keep scratching their head, I just don't know what the big secret is. I'll kind of, you know, kind of give a little shout out that the secret is the title of the book. It doesn't say do and grow rich. It says think and grow rich. And when you start thinking, you then start doing. And then ultimately that's the one, two punch that gets people to literally, you know, live a little bit more of an abundant life. And so whether adults are reading Think and Grow Rich or something from Robert Kiyosaki, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or, you know, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, there's just so many books out there. I really encourage parents not to be afraid to start taking really good children's books like this one and literally just starting to teach these concepts. And some kids will pick them up faster than others, but I'm telling you, um, we've had people that have given us feedback that this book belongs in every home on the planet. So we're blessed to have it. That's fantastic. That's, um, you know, I, I think that there's never, it's never too early to, to introduce those concepts. Yep. You know, I think that we put our own belief and our own limiting belief on that is that we may think, well, oh, they're too young or they won't care or, you know, it won't have, it won't, you know, it won't matter to them or it's boring or it's going to be an argument or just do it, man. It. just do it <laughs> all right you know like get out of your own head like you can't and that's the thing that's uh you know pretty kind of surprising about that a lot of times is that i think that you know we put our we, we underestimate our children you know and i know there's that saying that uh we we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years right that's and it. so i i think that that actually applies in the house as well is that we overestimate <laughs> you know the impact that, uh, you know, that, that maybe we think we haven't, but we're underestimating what the impact can be, right? Absolutely. And kids are sponges. I'm telling you, those kids, they have those neural networks forming between the ages of zero and seven. They're like sponges. They just soak it up. That's why they can play musical instruments early. They can learn a language earlier than we can as adults and a lot quicker. And so again, I, I encourage the listener to really think about what books do you have around the home? What are you reading? What are you saying? You know, how are you making it fun and gamifying it? I mean, kids love to play games. And so when you start gamifying some of the teaching, um, kids just absolutely want more of it. And it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, Trevor, I want to thank you for coming on Money Talkers with me. Um, it's been uh, a really fun conversation, man, and, and really kind of getting into the, the mindset uh, of, of, you know, this journey that we're on with being a parent and how we're, how we're being intentional and, uh, and all those kinds of fun, fun concepts to really take and implement in the life. Because if you don't implement, it doesn't matter much anyway. So hopefully if you're listening to this, this is an opportunity to just try to think about that and say, okay, I'm going to go take an action and do something today. All right. And so Trevor, where do they find out more about what you're doing? Well, again, there's two places that uh, we can connect. One is to go to my website, it's simply www.trevormcgregor.com. That's T-R-E-V-O-R-M-C-G-R-E-G-O-R.com. Or for anybody that wants to pick up, you know, a really beautiful children's book and do some good for the planet and we'll plant a tree for every book we sell, they can simply go to alphabetforhumanity.com. That's alphabetforhumanity.com. We've got some really cool things there and uh, you can find out a little bit more at that site. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And so uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, such a fantastic way to kind of full circle, think about how to impact things and have a lot of, have a lot of unforeseen good consequences out of it 
you know, that, uh, that it, it opens the conversations because that's what we're trying to do with money talkers, right? Is that if you're a money talker and you talk about money in the house, it's going to have an impact on your kids. And so you're introducing at such an early age to talk about some big key words that people, I think we need to use a little bit more in our lives anyway. <laughs> you betcha. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on and keep up the great work. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.